Listener's discretion is advised. The hosts talk about sensitive topics like depression and crime. Welcome to Debating, the show where we convince you, the audience, and each other that anything can be worthwhile. You just need a little bait. Disclaimer, we do not claim to be professionals of anything discussed in this podcast. We just like to enjoy things. Also, we do not condone anything unjust, criminal, or immoral. This is just pure, lighthearted, wholesome fun. My name is Ronnie. And my name is Victor. And today, we are going to debate why K-pop peaked at 21. But don't get it twisted. We're not debating. We're debating. Yes. Yes. Good day to you, Ronnie. Good day to you too. This is our second episode of this show. Mm-hmm. As of right now, we have released episode one, and I still can't believe it. I still can't. <laughs> you know, we're s- slow and steady. That's how we're doing it. Yes, here. slow and steady wins the race. So for this episode, right. you want to give us a little bit of context, or you know. Mm-hmm. So. I, I do believe this with all my heart. <laughs> um, this is not just clickbait. Um, I started listening to K-pop 2009. Yeah, 2009. This was like way, way back in the K-pop world. Like today, K-pop can be so mainstream, oh, wait, I wait, guess. Wait. Like I, so much more. I, I have to cut you off a bit, sorry. Um, Go. I just want to say... This episode's not only for K-pop fans. Non-K-pop fans can also listen to this episode. So don't worry. Don't be afraid. Yes. Don't be afraid by the title because <laughs> I, ho- I hope you're yes. going to learn something from this. This isn't just for um, people who know K-pop, but for anyone who likes to listen to music or for anyone who likes to listen to a really good story. Because, <clears throat> boy, do I have a story for you. Okay. So I started K-pop at 2009, back when it was so niche, like back when people would re- uh, make fun of you for um, liking K-pop because, you know, it's not normal <laughs> for some reason. And then now it's just, oh, yeah, listen to K-pop. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so how about you, Ronnie? How long have you been in K-pop? So my K-pop story, I think it's only been a few months, honestly. So I'm not that knowledgeable yet. On the whole <laughs> K-pop industry, yeah. So hopefully, I also get educated from this episode. Mm-hmm. Yes, because you know, ever since he started K-pop, Ronnie's been asking me to talk about them. Yeah. But then I said, let's wait until the podcast. I so I've been like waiting for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So why I think K-pop peaked at twenty-one is a very, I guess, controversial thing to say now. I mean, even back then, because. No, they're not the most successful girl group ever. No, they're not the ones who sold the most albums. But they did leave one of the hugest, hugest? Largest. Is that a word? Largest cultural impacts in K-pop as you know it today. Like 21 walked so that everyone else in the industry could run. Oh, okay. So can you try to explain to us um, or explain who the members were? or? Sure, sure. Yes. So, 21 was a girl group. Ugh, it hurts me. It <laughs> I just had like a, a pain, a sharp pain just just got inside like, okay. <clears throat> Starting over. 21 was a girl group under YG Entertainment. 
There were four members. They were CL, Bom, Tara, and Minchi. Or Minzi, if you are a foreigner like me. Why should I say it in the Korean language? Because I try. They debuted May 6, 2009. And from their debut up until their last release as four members, almost all of their title tracks are number one singles. Like, almost spotless record of number one. I think the lowest ranking they got for a title track was three. They ranked third. And like, that's not even that far. It's not that bad. So for those who don't know Mm -hmm. some of the terms we just used in that short description, when a group group debuts, that's when they showcase themselves to the world i guess and i mean i think like that's when you first see them Mm -hmm. and they first release songs like that and yg entertainment for those who don't know is the there's a company who currently owns blackpink and Mm -hmm. yeah big bang you know blackpink right big (laughs) k-pop groups with that said 21 had for me the biggest impact amongst all the groups um in yg in that era and that's like a really bold claim to say because big bang exists yeah that's what, and that's big what bang i was gonna like ask a... because i know big bang is such a big <laughs> group especially in korea mm-hmm. when they first debuted yes. and everything so that's why yeah. i was so confused when you mentioned why you think 21 was the one who made k-pop to ne1 to ne1 yes because in my head it, yes it's every time i see different videos in youtube about big k-pop groups i always hear big bang so they're such mm-hmm. a big household name already. So I really, yes. I really want to hear yes. your reasoning as to why. So for me, Big Bang's sound and Big Bang's image evolved after 21 became successful. And I'm going to get more into that later because there's a lot of things that you should know about 21 that you may or may not realize have impacted not just Big Bang, not just the next female artist, not just the groups that we know of today, but the whole industry. And so I'm going to get into that. Also, 21, it's actually an acronym because um, back then K-pop loved acronyms. It was so weird. So they're called the 21st Century Mu Evolution. Oh, okay. That's N and E, new evolution. So that's why it's 21, because they're the new evolution of the 21st century. They were like the end all be all, the evolution of K-pop as we know it. And fun fact, they had back-to-back number one singles in their first three years as an artist, leading to them winning the most awards ever for an artist in the Mnet Asia Music Awards. So for people who or don't Mama know, that's Awards. a really big deal. If you are a K-pop group. Mm-hmm. Because that's one of the... It's kind of like a Grammy, almost. No, it, not a Grammy. Maybe like a... Because it doesn't just... Maybe like a, a... What's like a music... Oh, like a AMA, right? right? Or American maybe, Music yeah. Award? Yeah, because like Grammys look at creativity more. And then like your innovations as an artist. When countering in your... Like when factoring in the award right i guess that's what they say Mm -hmm. but then with like american music awards they also take into account your popularity and like you know how much you did how how much you earned are you the top seller like that so i guess that's what the mama award is more of like an ama Mm -hmm. in korea 
So they first debuted with Fire. Oh, okay. So that's not we're gonna get demonetized. I mean, we don't. We're not earning money yet. So I don't think we're gonna get demonetized. What's interesting is but I've heard a lot of their songs when I was growing up here in our country, mm-hmm. the Philippines. Yes. But I never really because knew their name or the title of the song. I just mm-hmm. kept hearing that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. the I Don't Care song, that mm-hmm. song Fire. Those are songs I've heard a lot growing up. I just never knew mm-hmm. it was a K-pop song. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's actually fun fact. Uh, one of the members, Dara, became really popular in the Philippines and in Southeast Asia because she first became popular in the Philippines before she went to Korea to become a member of Twenty One. Well, that's interesting. Okay. She was first a celebrity here in the Philippines because uh, her family moved to the Philippines when she was younger, and then she became part of like this. Um, celebrity audition show and then she became really popular from that and then she got like acting deals she got a song like a single and then after that um, she got an offer I think or she she wanted to be a K-pop star and so she went back to Korea she trained in YG entertainment and then now and then she debuted in 21 so that's it for like background to who 21 is Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say when they disbanded yet. I'm not going to get into all the sad stuff yet. Not because yet. only the Lord knows when or how long it will take me to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just going, I'm not even going to talk about their whole career. I'm just really going to talk about what things they've done to innovate and to um, change the industry in K-pop. Because there's like a time period before 21 and after 21 that I think really made K-pop change because of the things that 21 did. And so first thing is they were the first K-pop group to pioneer the girl crush image. The girl crush image, okay. Yes. So before 21, girl groups were either cute or girl next door vibes. Okay. Like, um... Think Girls' Generation, Wonder Girls. Those groups either had like an innocent schoolgirl image or branding or a laid-back girl next door like, hey, I can be your friend kind of image. Okay. And 21 was the first K-pop girl group to showcase like a very hard-hitting, choreo-heavy, very fashion-forward image for a k-pop girl group or even a group in general because before that boy groups were either anime Anime? inspired what do you mean yeah like like schoolboy anime okay inspired like you get not like because it's not like a boy next door but more like a oh my gosh is that really cute classmate who you know has like who has a crazy hairstyle like yeah 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 yeah. like that like that like that that was super junior yes and um or like uh hip-hop slash um, tough boy image. Like, that That was Big Bang. Okay. That was Big Bang before. When they first debuted, they had, like, the Haru Haru. They had... What was the other one? We Belong Together? Where they were just, like... It was, like, a Korean version of mid-2000s hip-hop. Like that. Okay. And then 21 debuted with, like, a very genre-bending song. Because Fire is dance, EDM, uh, reggae, rolled into one. And, like, even hints of techno. That's true. Like... They had so many genres rolled into one song. And then, like, the beat would shift every verse. They were the first girl group to have makeup that would, like, if we would 
make it in today's terms like baddie makeup baddie. like instagram baddie ma- yeah 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 baddie makeup like that because before right girl group images were either innocent cute or um girl next door like you know like we're pretty but then they and i'm not saying this is a good thing but they were branded as ugly idols ugly okay are, are there any groups right now that are following that style i don't think i've heard of any group that's branded as the ugly idols because and this is why i think after 21 it's changed because beauty standards have changed since 21 debuted okay and now you see more diverse looks because 21 showcased diverse sides of beauty not just one kind where it's like a korean goddess type of image because that's what a lot of um k-pop idols were like especially girl groups before and they um 21 like their visuals are no joke i can say that for myself they're beautiful and it hurts to it hurts me that they were branded as ugly idols back in the day because it was not that they were ugly. It was just that they were different. I remember that they styling really was different. weird hairstyles. That's what, from what I remember. Yes. And from the videos I've seen before we started this episode. Mm-hmm. They popularized so many hairstyles. The palm tree hairstyle. The sh- like one, one side shave. Mm-hmm. Like they went that far. And they only did that to one member and one member only. <laughs> Shout out Dara. San Dara. Yeah, Dara... They gave Dara all the weird looks that made them iconic that even if you just see a silhouette of the four of them, you already know it's them. And then because of 21 and their styling and like their looks, which were diverse and which had di- they all had different distinct styles. They weren't just copies of the same thing. You know, they didn't have um, different colors of the same jacket. No, they had um, a mix of like a swimsuit, a hoodie and a fishnets. And another member would wear like a a huge oversized shirt of the Statue of Liberty with you know those like two thousands glasses that had like lines oh, okay, instead of yeah. like lens. Yeah, yeah, that unfortunately. But you know, at the time we thought it was cool. At the time only. At the time. At the time we thought it was cool. And then like um and then they had like that, as I said, genre bending song. People just weren't expecting that. And even I guess the company wasn't expecting them to to be as big as they were when they debuted. Yeah, that's that's what I was curious about because the way you were talking about it made it sound like they were something really new to the K-pop industry. So I was very curious if mm-hmm. like when they started did they not like succeed? Succeed, but I think they did because they had they had a hit mm-hmm. or was it like a battle from for their the debut? Hit? No, because the most magic moment of it is they are the first to be dubbed Monster Rookie. Monster Rookie? I've never heard of that. Yes. Now, Monster Rookie is not a term you hear often now in K-pop today because everyone, when they first debut nowadays, is already kind of famous. They already have a built fan base. They already have, you know, lots of fans from before they even debuted because people search them up. That's just how big K-pop is now. But before, K-pop wasn't really big. And I guess you could say since Sandara Park was like a celebrity in the Philippines before that she had like a sad fan base. But no, because the moment she went back to Korea, she was forgotten in the Philippines until she debuted as part of 21. And the Monster Rookie title is something that you heard since their debut because their first single became so successful that they earned an award not just as best rookie of the year but for song of the year for artist of the year 
they even got nominated for album so of the year. So they sweep the whole with their first con- album, like all the competitions. Mm-hmm. With their first mini album. So it's it's not just single; it's just the album itself was doing really good. Yes. Yes, because every track was charting well. Like, can you imagine with their debut track, Fire? Just two months later, I don't care, number one. And then each member had like a solo song for promotional purposes. Those would also hit like top 10. Okay. People didn't really expect them to rise that fast. And they were so different from everything else. I guess that's just what the people wanted. You know, because sometimes at the right moment, when something different is discovered or seen, and enough people see it, they're going to want to share it. They're going to want to let others know. And I think that's what happened with 21, is that they were so different, and people didn't really expect it, that people started sharing it. So I guess it was a case of to everyone. right time, right place. Mm-hmm. And because of that, all other artists from... I'm not, I'm not going to speak in K-pop terms. I was going to say like third generation, oh, no. fourth generation. I'm just going to say every artist from that point onwards... As soon as they debut, they try to have that magic. They try to have that magic moment where it's like the right time, right place, debut, first hit, number one. And it just wouldn't happen until now. Because what companies are now doing is they would promote their artists even before they debut on competition shows or through advertisements, brand deals, or through the company's image itself that they would like tease a new group. And then even regular K-pop uh, fans would search up who are the trainees in this company. I want to know who are the, who the future artists are and, you know, like that. The competition nowadays is so huge that when you debut, you need to be successful in order for people to say that you're doing okay. Like, it's not enough for you to debut and be and, and have, like, an okay charting. Because people wouldn't then view you as a successful K-pop artist today. And that standard was made by 21. So, because of how fast they rose. I kind of see where their impact came from. Because th- I think that's why a lot of companies are now trying to experiment. I guess, from what mm-hmm. I got, mm-hmm. 21 was trying something new. So, they're experimenting. And I think that's what a lot of companies are doing now. They're trying to find mm-hmm. that new spark, I guess, that 21 had. Yes. Mm-hmm. They also got a huge brand deal with the fashion brand Moschino. Oh, okay. Moschino. Mm-hmm. Moschino. Because they became friends with um, the head designer of it, uh, Jeremy Scott. Wait, was, was fashion and K-pop as big as it was right now than, than it is right now? Before 21, no. Okay. Yeah, and that's one of the other points I was trying to make. Fashion is more relevant now because of 21. Okay. Because before, K-pop artists would wear concept looks. Like, it would fit the concept of their their brand. So it was mostly costumes. Schoolgirl. Yes. Like, in that sense. Where it was like, oh, we're promoting as cheerleaders now, so we're going to wear cheerleader outfits. Oh, we're a hip-hop group, so we're going to wear hip-hop clothes. But then 21 didn't do that. They were like, we are the concept. We. We are the product. Are the image. Yes. <laughs> kind of scary if you say it that way. But yeah, 21 was so fashion forward. And they had like the craziest looks, like I, like I told you. That ever since them, all the other K-pop groups that debuted or that came back wanted to experiment more. Including Big Bang. Okay, so... 
that just pretty much answered my question. Mm-hmm. Because Big Bang only started changing their image and changing how they were, I guess, doing their songs and doing their choreography and like their branding after 21 became so successful. Like, do you remember Fantastic Baby? Yeah, I've heard that song. If you see the music video for that, that kind of crazy visual, like crazy costume, crazy hair, that only happened because 21 became successful at that. Do you think a Big Bang fan would agree with some of the points you're making? Hey, I love Big Bang. I was a really huge fan of them. And um, I will support the members who are not accused of any crime involving prostitution, uh, bribery. But, you know, Big Bang is huge. I will always respect them for that. But they only changed their image after 21 became successful. Before that, they weren't... They weren't as fashion forward. Before that, they weren't as genre bending. And that is, I think, because it was only after 21 when they saw the potential. Oh, okay, this can work, you know? Because 20, like I said, 21 uh, debuted after Big Bang, but Big Bang had a certain image before. And it wasn't like it was after 21 debuted. And so another innovation, another peak of 21, if you will, is that they were the first girl group to hold world tours. They were the first to do world tours? They were the first to do world tours. So they were the first global K-pop group in that sense. But I don't think uh, they were as big as K-pop groups are now in the global sense. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, yeah, of course. Like nowadays... A lot of K-pop artists would go through so many more countries, so many more cities, and have so much more audiences. But 21 started that. They started the world tour trend, especially for girl groups. Because before that, only boy groups could tour. The most that girl groups could do was like have a concert in Korea or Japan. And not really like a tour tour. But then 21 did that. And so much more. They were the first K-pop girl group to hold a show in America. So yeah, like the, the global aspect of K-pop only came to fruition after 21 started doing it okay like that i i have a question go so far we've been talking about all the good things 21 has Mm -hmm. been doing is there any bad things that came after their reign i guess i will talk about that after i finish my points (laughs) because i'm not done yet they're like (laughs) oh my goodness okay I'm yeah. curious. Like, so many things, right? From what I'm hearing, I guess 21 has really impacted girl groups in this modern age of K-pop. Ha- have they affected mm-hmm. boy groups or is, is it mostly just girl groups in a sense? Or or, or was that for, Big Bang's impact? For boy groups, it was more Big Bang. But it was because Big Bang was influenced by 21. Okay, so overall, in that sense. 21 so, is the superior one. The catalyst, mm-hmm. yes. Yes. And the last point, I guess, the last peak that, or like the last innovation that 21 had for me in terms of influencing the K-pop industry is they introduced so many different genres and styles of music into mainstream K-pop, which has since influenced the modern day landscape that we know today in K-pop. Because, you know, in K-pop, genre bending is so mainstream, I guess. Like, it's it's almost expected for K-pop to have so many different genres today. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't know that 21 actually started those genres in K-pop. I'll just list some genres down from the first three years as a group. Reggae, EDM, techno, rock, house music, 
they had what else? Where's the I feel list? like you're listing <laughs> almost all the genres. The only thing I'm missing is heavy metal, and they probably would have <laughs> done all, everything. They probably would have. Yeah. Those genres are kind of commonplace in K-pop today. But when 21 first started doing them, it wasn't. That's true. Mm-hmm. One of their songs called Ugly. Like, ooh, that song hits. It's a it's a rock it's a pop rock song and it's so good and the message is so good because it talks about, you know, sometimes when you doubt how you look, like not for me, not just physically, but then like how how you're perceived as by other people. Because like the lyrics of the chorus go, I think I'm ugly and nobody wants to love me. Like oof. Oof. And then like the message of the song is like to to not care about what others think about what you look like or how they perceive you to be because in the end what matters more is how you view yourself and at the time when they were being branded as you know ugly idols i think that's such a powerful song to release okay because you know even their ceo even their ceo told them they were ugly that like, hurts that must hurt. yes yeah for your own ceo to tell you that you know like you're not really beautiful i mean probably depends on you're the ugly for k-pop idol okay for a k-pop right? idol <laughs> if it was just like random like normal work your boss calls you ugly you, you're it's ugly. fine yeah but in the k-pop sense <laughs> it, it holds some weight yeah especially nowadays yeah, where like, visuals are very important they all have to look good mm-hmm. yeah so i can only imagine how much you of know a, maybe not an insult but how much of no, it is. Oh, how much of an, it insult, is an insult, I guess, that must be. You're going to debut them, and yet you're going to brand them as ugly. Yeah. That's why ugly the, the song Ugly has such a beautiful place in my heart, because it's, like, not just uh, an empowering, uplifting message, but it's also, like, a, a clapback to their CEO. <laughs> like, they have the guts to do that, you know, to release a song that directly went against what their the CEO original said. The tracks. Oh no, I'm not gonna say that because <laughs> all the hip hop, oh, yes. all the hip hop fans would like crucify me. <laughs> so yes, those are all the things that Twenty One has innovated for the K-pop industry in general. For you, what do you think right now, going into like processing all that information? It's hard to believe that they've done all of that. I feel like maybe mm-hmm. some points might be counter-attack by I think someone with more knowledge than me can probably counter-attack some of the points but so far Mm -hmm. I can see why they've made such a big impact on K-pop or why their time Mm -hmm. was the peak of K-pop I guess because they were doing things Mm -hmm. that are happening now in the industry that you can see in newer groups yeah that's like that's like commonplace almost like Girl Crush oh yeah almost all girl groups are girl crush. Yeah. Having different concepts. Yeah, sure. Like, it's normal now. But when they did it, it was not it was normal at new. the time. So I guess they were the pioneers mm-hmm. of what... I, I guess this is... The this modern is a day bold, K-pop that's is. A very bold, it's a very bold statement but to say. But I guess they were the pioneers of modern K-pop. Yes. Because I can't say that they were the yeah. pioneers for K-pop. Because that belongs to someone else. We're not getting into that. That belongs to... <laughs> Yeah. So now I'm going to get into, I guess, the negative aspects about 
the existence of 21 I feel like and what I it meant for everyone else. Ideas in my head. I want to hear what you have to say. No, tell me what you think first because I'm the one who who knows more. So I guess I I'm here to either verify, verify or, or counter. Okay. The yeah, first yeah. one I want to say is the whole experiment thing. I think I, m- I mentioned this a while ago, but the whole experimenting mm-hmm. thing. I guess it might have left a negative impact because that's when you're experimenting or like with a new group or with a new concept mm-hmm. it's very yeah. risky and the way mm-hmm. 21 did it was it's like a miracle it's a one in a million thing. that's one i guess i had in mind and the other one was the whole ugly concept i guess mm-hmm. yeah that, that's all i had all right so so for the experimenting one i guess the only downside to it is instead of innovating on their own a lot of companies would just copy the image So I guess that's why a lot of K-pop groups feel the same nowadays is because they look to the successes of past K-pop groups and they say, "Oh okay, they work because they do this genre, they work because they have this styling, they work because they have this image." Okay, let's just copy paste mm-hmm. with a different person. You know, it's not the thing that they take away isn't because oh they do things differently, that's why they're that's why they succeeded, but you know Oh, they did this kind of image. We'll we'll just do this, and we'll have instant success. And I I guess it fell into that because of how successful Twenty One was. Okay, so I got that right. But that's not Twenty One's fault. Okay, though. okay. So <laughs> I want to hear. What that's the your, perception of other K-pop are. competitors. Oh wait, I didn't I didn't verify your <laughs> ugly yet. <laughs> okay, your ugly claim. I mean, so for me, I think the K-pop beauty standard has been diversified. Because of mm-hmm, because of Twenty One's existence, but also, and I don't think this is just Twenty One, but the world has become so enamored with beauty. It's hard to look anyone but, especially in that kind of industry. And so, I guess it's a lot harder for people who look different to get in the K-pop industry. And to debut because they're not just looking for someone who's talented. They're not just looking for someone who can sing and who can dance. They're not just looking for someone who can produce music. They're looking for someone who can do all of that and be beautiful. It's an almost impossible standard, you know. And so I guess it's like it's it's like a a double-edged sword. They diversified the beauty standard, but also they raised the standard a little too high for everyone else. Okay. If that makes sense. It makes. Does sense. that make sense? It makes sense. All right. So. Now I'm going to talk about the downfall of Twenty One, and I think this was really just due to three reasons, three main reasons, which I will say. First is mismanagement. Okay, this... I, I want to hear about this because I've mm-hmm. been hearing and I've been seeing in my Instagram and Twitter and mm-hmm. YouTube so many posts about treat this group better or mistreatment of yes. blah 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 blank. Yes, I'm sorry to. The current K-pop groups who are very popular, but then their fans say that you know this person is being mistreated. Like I'm not judging, but for me, K-pop groups are so much better off than other groups before. Hot take like that, especially popular ones. Like you can't say here, very hot take. I you can't say BTS Jin is hugely mistreated <laughs> as an artist because he is so rich, and he has so much exposure. He has so much. Fan, he has such a big fan base. Mismanagement for like 
you're misusing the term if you're saying that they're mismanaging him. You're like they're like mismanaging him as an artist. Let's just say BTS Jin is being underutilized for a good reason, which I'll get into because this was started by Twenty One. That's that's a good episode. That's another good episode theme. We're gonna keep that in the mm-hmm. maybe list. We'll talk we'll expound <laughs> more about that that time. <laughs> but you know, mismanagement. Twenty One became hugely famous for imbalance in the group. It would be like um, one member more, is more popular than the others, especially in the later part of their career. Mismanagement for me is when the company does not hold up their contractual obligation to give you music releases, to let you promote, to give you enough budget, to give you, um, to give you whatever you need, basically, to make your vision of as an artist come true. That's mismanagement to me. If they break that promise and if they just treat you like you're no longer an employee for months or even years on end. That's so regular when it comes to smaller companies. Smaller companies would take in these high schoolers, telling them that they would debut and then they would. And then suddenly the company goes bankrupt. The CEO and like the manager would run away with all the money they had and none of the money they earned would go to the K-pop group. You know, like that's mismanagement. That's the one that I believe should be really looked into and like another aspect of mismanagement in 21 is how solo stands became more toxic in 21 and like subsequently the industry can you um try to respond more on solo yeah. stands because i'm not i'm not really understand mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in k-pop right there's like how many members of a group in general you're supposed to treat them all fairly if you're a rational person like me like, you could have your favorite, sure, but then you try to treat everyone equally. But K-pop works in such a way that you get to pick who you like, and it's okay if you support that one person. But respect the group. Yes. Right? But with 21, factions began to be made as the mismanagement started to grow. With, like, one member being pushed above the others, more and more of the fandom started to split apart into different factions. There would be, like, one group for one member only. And, you know, me being a rational person where I support them all equally, I was like, what's happening? It's because of mismanagement. If one person is going to be treated unfairly compared to the others, more fans would support that one person and buy that person's albums buy that person's merch support the group activities for that one person and if you have like one big group where each of the people there like the group equally you're not gonna get as much income compared to when you have four different fandoms for each member of the group that support that member individually you basically have five sources of income there because 21 is four members so compare if 21 had only one fan base for all of them to they had five fan bases for each of them and the group that's a huge money maker but also huge mismanagement issue right Mm -hmm. and that's me segueing to the next aspect which is toxic fandom really that's that's where it started Mm -hmm. it's hard to believe and i think like for me toxic fandom didn't start with 21 because toxic fandom has uh, existed since the first generation of K-pop when they first started, you know. But toxic fandom in terms of a fandom cannibalizing itself. What do you mean by cannibalizing? Like like a fandom that tears each other apart, that fights each other instead of supporting the group. 
So just I like guess how this connects to the if first we're talking point that you're talking about with mm-hmm. the whole mistreatment yeah. thing. Yeah. So yeah. fans were yeah. like so fans were trying to out bias or rank them, I guess. Yes, yes, basically. Individual ranking would be compared and then like there would be people who only support one person in the group and they would fight all the other members. They would keep harassing the other members, which sounds very familiar if you're talking about Blackpink. That is very true. You know, especially with their latest release, Ice Cream, that was a huge, I guess, issue surrounding the we fandom. We also have the BTS issue with the whole Jin not getting enough friends. Yeah, with Dynamite. Yeah. Like, he didn't even have a solo stage in the music video. You know, it was all just a close-up of him in the choreo. It wasn't like the other members where they had like a a set where they would shine that kind of aspect in toxic fandom was popularized in 21 because that's how it was especially like in the last years of 21 being active there were a lot of solo stands and a lot of fights within the fandom that even i began to step away and think what is this like i thought we were here to like support the group and like help them build their career but then how has this become like a popularity contest even within the group other very hugely popular successful k-pop groups like bts and blackpink have that same issue now where a lot of people within the fandom are trying to out popularize one member above the rest because they believe this person is the only one who deserves that popularity i do know that that's wrong it only leads to a group's downfall and that was the case of 21. Now we're going to talk about their disbandment. That was an issue. <laughs> their disbandment was what was so messy that I just hope that none of the other groups that are going to disband soon. Like, I do believe now that disbandments are natural in the K-pop community because I have experienced it so many times with the groups that I fell in love with. <laughs> Shout out to Wonder Girls and... Um, Sistar and uh, Rainbow mm-hmm. and Dashabet and <sighs> I'm not gonna list more because I'm just gonna spend so much time <laughs> listing all the old K-pop groups that nobody knows about. Okay, so I'm very curious. How did Hold the on. disbandment, I guess, affect K-pop? I guess. So the main reason for their disbandment, and this is going to be very controversial, muy controversial. Ooh, I'm is misogyny both within the company and within Korean society like that's it that's a tweet that's why they disbanded because Mm -hmm. of misogyny both within the company and within Korean society so this is going way above K-pop we're talking Korean Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. let's just try to stay in the we're talking cultural values I guess we should just stay in the K-pop lane (laughs) (laughs) I'm not gonna explain further, but I guess K-pop lane. So, surprisingly, 21 has only had less than 30 songs in their runtime. In their six years of being active as a group, they've only released less than 30 songs. And... That's very low compared to the other groups that were releasing music at the time. Because, you know, even if 21 was really successful with their songs, they would only release singles sometimes. Like, there was one year where they released only one song. 
like just one song and that goes into the mismanagement aspect of it where you know the company wasn't giving them as much energy and as much effort into releasing and putting out albums compared to their contemporaries within the company that is big bang and it wasn't really a big issue at the time until their disbandment because before they disbanded they went into like a hiatus because one of the members got caught up in a scandal involving illegal drugs but not the drugs that you think of when you first hear illegal drugs because you know you would think like marijuana or cocaine but no these were amphetamines because this is public knowledge so i'm not stepping on anyone's toes the member who got into the scandal she lived in america before and at that time in america a lot of things happened in her life that caused her depression and she was given this medication that's legal in america but is illegal in korea unless you have a doctor's prescription which she does have so when she went to korea became a k-pop idol she still took the medicine and she ran out of supplies for that medicine sometime in 2010 and so she bought medicine from america but since she was an active k-pop idol she couldn't get it herself so she went and had it delivered to her relative in korea and you know because it's an illegal drug technically in korea when customs got hold of it it was a huge issue and there was a private investigation and it was explained behind the scenes and that was supposed to be it but because the media got hold of that information they released it to the public and then that member became crucified and labeled as a drug lord which she is not she was taking medication for her depression and you know it spiraled out of control that 21 had to go on a hiatus now yg entertainment is a company that's been tainted with a lot of scandals involving illegal drugs so because a few years before her scandal there was a member in big bang who got involved with a marijuana scandal in japan there was another artist from the 2000s who also got in trouble with marijuana who was also in yg entertainment and so yg has this image in korean society of a pharmacy a pharmacy put it in um so i guess they're in, uh, they're a company with so much they're under fire a lot mm-hmm. and the way YG treated those scandals with those male artists before is they would release statements clarifying the situation and they would they would put them in a hiatus, but they would still support them and they would still give them music and they would still allow them to release music as artists. Like after some time off, they would give them like, all the support they need. With the member in 21, however, after her scandal, they didn't release a statement until days after the news broke out. They put them in a hiatus, but they didn't support the group or the member for any release until their disbandment. It was like a slow death. That's messed up. And, you know, it just shows how misogynistic that company was. But is it only that company? And I don't want to say... Or... And that's why I'm going to say society in general. Because when we look at other K-pop girl groups... They're being treated the same, mm-hmm. especially the contemporaries of Twenty One. Like there was this reality show in um, Arirang, I think it was documenting like Nine Muses, another girl group that 
has disbanded recently but was very active before, the documentary really showed how abusive the CEO was to the girl group members. He would keep calling them names. He would keep fat shaming them. He would always tell them to lose more weight because they were too fat, even though they were already like 50 kilograms. With 21, with that scandal, especially how the members have been treated after the scandal, comparing it to other artists in that company, and then looking at how society has treated similar cases with women before, especially when it's false accusations, it doesn't matter if it's a false accusation or not. That female celebrity will be crucified. But if it's a male celebrity, just give that guy a few months. He'll come back and he'll get a job and he'll be fine. This is public record, so I'm not going to get in any trouble for this. But there is a person, there's an actor who has since been accused and proven guilty of rape and is still active as an actor today. And there is still no justice for a female actress who has died of rape. And you know what the public perception of her was at the time when she was raped and she died? People viewed her as a prostitute. That's messed up. And that's why it hurts me because 21 was so at what they did and they were so successful. And yet, why weren't they given that same amount of effort for them to come back in the industry? Because it wasn't like they were criminals who were doing illegal stuff for personal greed or personal profit. It was medication for depression. It wasn't like they were dealing meth. And yet, they never were given the same amount of support. The public never even clarified the situation until years later when the member finally had an interview where she released details about that case, about the context, about the specific things. And then people started listening to her years after. And that was like, what, four years, four years of the public stoning you for something that's not even your fault. And yet male actors have more serious crimes and can still be active today. Like, that's that's not okay. That's not right. Yeah. That's not right. That's why I want people to realize and to to keep in mind that K-pop isn't perfect. I know that. I've been in I've been in the game for so long. <laughs> but it's also it's not the worst. Is this is this the main takeaway you want people to get from this episode? I guess I just want people to be responsible with what they consume. Okay. And to support who needs the support, especially the ones who need it most. 21 didn't get the support that they needed at the time. But I can tell you, there are people who need it now. There are groups, not just in K-pop, there are musicians all around the world who need your support because that's their dream, it's their passion, and they, they don't have maybe enough money or enough influence or enough connections to reach it mainstream. And you as an audience, as a listener can help that person realize their dreams. The audience dreams. has the power, in a sense. Mm-hmm. They can build the audience has a power. or they can destroy an artist's career. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's why I also want everyone listening to be responsible with what you read, especially on the internet, especially with news, especially with anything about things that are important. Don't just believe anything you read because someone said it. 
research about it. Like take the time, get secondary sources. Find yeah leg- legitimate sor- resources because anything can be fake mm-hmm. nowadays. There even mm-hmm. faking it has even become a challenge. You can find on YouTube. Yeah. So be careful. You know, be careful with your, what you read because some of it might just be manipulation. Mm-hmm. I want everyone listening to be what unmanipulated. I guess be <laughs> demanipulated. Be more wise. When it comes yes, to there to be more news. wise. So that's it. Like, <laughs> I just want people to stand to anyone so that they could have a comeback in twenty twenty one. Oh wow! The members have been talking about it. They're all, I guess, at the time or at the place in their career that they could do it. Because if they do do it, they'd be the first K-pop girl group to ever do a reunion after disbanding. That <laughs> would be a long stretch. So no, because no K-pop girl group has ever come back after disbandment. Yeah, so th- that might be a little, little far out there, but you know what? We'll hope for the best. <laughs> come on, twenty one, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> so that's, that's it. The episode. Wow, we covered a lot of ground today. Very long. Muy long. Very long. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to connect with us or talk about the next episodes with us, you can follow us at DebatingPod on Instagram and Twitter. Once again, that's DebatingPod. D-E-B-A-I-T-I-N-G-P-O-D without the dash. Once again, this was Victor. And this was Ronnie. Telling you to stand 21. And stay tuned for our next episode. We'll be talking about why... Classic blockbusters will not be called blockbusters today. Ooh. Interesting topic. Hot I take. Know. So thank you guys so much for listening to our wait. podcast. Hope you enjoyed and learned something new. We hope to see you Goodbye. soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. <laughs>